The CCOA episode 19, Spina Beautiful with Little Misty Diaz. Your will is always within your power. Nothing truly stops you. Nothing truly holds you back. For your own will is always within your control. Sickness may challenge your body, but are you merely your body? Lameness may impede your legs, but you are not merely your legs. Your will is bigger than your legs. Your will needn't be affected by an incident unless you let it. Remember this with everything that happens to you. Strength is a choice. Every difficulty in life presents us with an opportunity to turn inward and to invoke our own submerged inner resources. The trials we endure can and should introduce us to our strengths. This is the CC Way, a show about grit, gratitude, character, philosophy, fitness, leadership, service, and what it means to choose strength. My name is Scott McGee. I'm a family man, friend, thinker, guardian, and a mindful warrior with an open mind on a path of gratitude and service who loves to connect with unconquerable souls. Now, this opening was from my favorite book, The Art of Living by uh, Epictetus. Uh, it's a, the little subtitle is The Classical Manual on Virtue, Happiness, and Effectiveness. And in fact, I did a whole episode on this book called The Art of Living. And a little side note that I, I do want to point out, though, about the beginning of what I just said about how your will is always within your power and that sickness may challenge your body. I am a little sensitive to some mental illnesses out there. And so some people might not have a, the ability to choose. You know, you know severe schizophrenic uh, schizophrenic people, stuff like that. There are some illnesses out there. And I'm sensitive to that. But if you're not one of those folks, remember that strength is a choice and stuff that happens doesn't need to affect you unless you let it. And my guest is one of those type of people who have used their pain as a catapult. But how do we get there, Misty? <laughs> First of all, welcome. Um, Thank you. And for the listeners, we've been hanging out here uh, for <laughs> about an hour playing, playing, playing frolicking. <laughs> we did a Theragun. Yes, loved. We stared at an ice bath. We chatted. We didn't work out yet. No, not yet. Soon. Yes. But um, if you guys don't know, Misty is, what do you... What's your height? What are we talking here? What, are we, what does my driver's license say? Yeah. <laughs> even if you're so, even if you're little, do you still add an inch or two? I you know, people do, like guys that are question. like. Do you think the DMV is going to question? No. First of all, they don't. They don't even care about their job. I know they're sad. <laughs> they're suffering. That's a hard job. It is a hard job. Uh, and then dealing with angry people all day. All day. All day. With a million questions, when you could have just went online. No, no, right after standing in line for four <laughs> hours. Yeah. Uh, so what does yeah. it say? What does your driver's license say? Driver's license says 5'1". I'm not 5'1". I'm 4'4". Four four. Why say 5'1"? Why did you, you know pick 5'1"? You know what? It was one? a really long time ago, <laughs> and I was just like, I didn't think, I thought by now it would be changed. And <laughs> I've had All right, so you said 4'4". Four four. Yes. All right. And well, let me think. 100 pounds? 90, 80? I am at my peak weight right now. I have never weighed this much in my entire life until now. 
Which is 80 pounds. Solid. Yes. Is it uh, for a race? It's probably just muscle. <laughs> all those pull-ups and it's bench just, pressing? Yeah. What, um, I mean, what do you think is your fastest? I mean, is it, did you try and get lighter to do some of the races or? No, I just could never gain weight. It's all the Starbucks over here. You're putting cream in this stuff and. It's actually not Starbucks. It's, it's, it's in a cup that's from Starbucks. Ugh. It's neon Starbucks, eh? <laughs> <laughs> so, all right. I want to get into some stuff. And we were talking about how we're going to lay this thing out. Yeah. Um, and most people, and this show has been about, you know, Sisu. And looking over here at my poster, my Sisu Way poster, which for the listeners says, strength and determination in the face of adversity, persistence, hope, grit, Unbeatable mindset full of courage, tenacity, resilience, willpower, triumph, and an unconquerable soul. That coupled with my other poem back here, Invictus, that's you. So I'm very grateful to have you on the show. This is awesome. Thank you for having me. I know. And just so you guys know, <laughs> I, to- I told Misty that we're going to get in the ice bath after this episode, so she's nervous. I might have an appointment later. <laughs> yeah, no, nope, no, calendar. So. I know a lot of our listeners and a lot of people that I've been messaging with. Um, I don't do a lot of guest announcements uh, saying who's going to come on, but I did post at least in the stories that you were coming on. So, and I've talked to people about it, and they're like, "Oh, who's that?" And I and I tell them, and they like respond back, "Wow!" Yeah, like she's four four. She's got really long hair. Yeah, <laughs> and she's stronger than you, and she's doing more than okay. So, <laughs> but I, I, I want to tell a story, and because you are not just somebody with spina bifida. All right, Thank so, you for pronouncing that right. How do they say it? Oh, man, I get it all. Spinal bifida? Yeah. <laughs> Spinal bif. I'm like, where are you getting Bifitis? this? Bifitis? I've heard it all. So thank you. Bifilophagus? I don't know. Bifilophagus? So I'd like to know how that process works and also explain to the listeners. So spina bifida uh, meaning is split spine. So out of every 1,500, one child is born with spina bifida with the termination rate of 64%. That's quite a big percentage right there. Um, And basically what happens is the spine doesn't close properly, doesn't form properly, I'm sorry, doesn't uh, form properly. So everybody's completely different. Um, You're never going to find someone who looks just like me. Um, so my damage happens to be at L5. So that affects my walking, that affects my bladder, that affects my height. You know, each part of our vertebrae, uh, vertebrae affects something in our body. Um, so yeah, it, it happened within the, it happens within the first two weeks. Of, uh, the development of the fetus? Yes. Oh, wow. So now what they do is they go in there intravenously with some like scope tiny 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 little needle and they repair the damage of on the vertebrae of the baby while the baby's still in the womb repair it and then uh what part of the what part of the uh, pregnancy are you doing i mean are they doing that as soon as they find out the baby has spina bifida wow it's literally just like i I, i've seen it and i've had you know, families contact me. Oh, I just, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm having this done. And it's literally, it's like this little tiny little machine. 
That's amazing. And they just go in there and just. Well, I believe it. I believe it because my wife had six intrauterus blood transfusions. So my second born, they went, uh, long story, but he had some needed blood transfusions to stay alive. And they went through the outside of the belly, in the skin, all the way through the womb. Yeah. Uh, into uh, a vein on the umbilical cord in order to do a blood transfusion. That's crazy. Right? That's, That's like, so crazy. And so by do, having that ability to do that is what kept him alive. It's why I have Connor because mm-hmm. of this ability. So I believe it. Like it's incredible. Yeah. And those guys, and that's all life-saving stuff. Yeah. Incredible. So you were born. Now I've heard you talk about that. It was your spine was exposed. Yeah. So my spine was completely exposed. It was just open at L5. Like the skin was open. Like it was just like like a dinosaur. Like you were talking. You were like a stegosaurus. Yeah. You could literally see all of my (laughs) uh, T Rex Misty. No. (laughs) So basically, where my L five, where that my L five was, it was completely open. Wow. So it was just like this sack that was just like a barrel sack that is just like open and exposed. Like you cut it open and it's all right there. So, and so they, do they just like fold the skin over? I mean, what? no, slowly, but surely. I mean, my, in some of my organs were on the outside of my body. One for sure was my bladder and they just, I was too little. I was premature. So immediately incubator and then slowly, but surely within time, they would just put everything back in. Wow. It wasn't just right away. It was, it was some time. What week were you born? That I don't know exactly. We had probably in the 30s, so maybe. But I know it was a preemie for sure. Like I, my parents, I have this photo at home. uh, My parents, because I was so tiny, they ran out to Toys R Us and (laughs) they bought every Cabbage Patch doll, like a girl, and then they took its clothes off and that's what I wore. Like a glow worm? Yeah. Remember those? Yeah, those little covers you push <laughs> in and like light. Yeah. How much did you weigh? Do you know that? It was literally just a couple pounds. I was like nothing. Oh man, that is. I could fit. I have a picture. Where I could fit in the palm of like pretty much like. It was it was insane. Hey, up top. Yes. All right, you're still here. Hi, bud. And then, um, so over time, at that point, like when you started. I'm thinking probably because I'm thinking back at my kids, like a year when you start moving. I mean, were, were there challenges there? I mean, difficulties, medical stuff? Were they trying to restrict your movement? No, they were trying to get me to move as much as I could. But um, I was ha- my, my feet were club feet, so they were really twisted, turned. So pointing outward? Yeah, completely outward. So, I mean... You can't really walk on that. So I would have, what would happen is they would, um, they would break certain parts of my bones and then recast me. I've been in a cast from my waist down to my ankle and there was a handle that was made so my mom could carry me by a handle. (laughs) And and that was just basically to reshape and form me to the best that you're seeing right now. Like a suitcase or like... Yeah, like they would just... They would put me in one of those. I still have it. It was like a wooden radio fly, a flyer. And they would like pick me up and they'd put me in there. And it was all decked out with like Sesame Street padding. That's and cool. And they would just like... They would just take me to the grocery store. I mean, I was just along for the journey. I didn't know any better. 
Nowadays, you'd have like, it'd be like on a satchel or <laughs> yeah. like a, a fanny pack Fan. attachment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so you've been fighting since before you even came out. Yeah. You've been in this nice lifelong fight. Um, another thing I'm kind of curious about, and, and I almost feel bad, but I also don't feel bad. Let me explain. <laughs> Is that I feel like we're going to talk about this too much as if this is what defines you right even the term disability do you do you think that term disability is is good bad oh man so yesterday there was a post on facebook and it was like a it was a video and it's actually a friend of mine from the uk and he's in a wheelchair and he's going up the warp wall for a tough mutter race and the label in bright bold bright letters above the video was disabled man. And I was like, ah, that just pained me. And I was like, no, because if he was disabled, he wouldn't be going up a warp wall in a wheelchair. He'd be at home or something. I I don't know. So I put in the comments, adaptive athlete goes up warp wall with father. Completely, the head. I mean, if you would have just taken that word and just it just added a positive label, because when people hear disability, people think negative. Well, okay, so just negative, right? And I, I pulled this up. Disability threw it in my Google. I'm here. <laughs> a physical or mental condition that limits a person's movement, senses, or activities. So then I'm like, <laughs> I f- I focus on the word limits and so i i don't know i i understand there needs to be some sort of like legal definition there's probably some legal protections there uh some some benefits or some help i don't know but even the i, I just i don't know looking at you i don't look at you as somebody with a disability i look at you with a whole lot of ability <laughs> that's but that's my perspective so i'm kind of curious coming from you is i don't know I just, it's 2018. Like, why? I think there's people. Why are we still using that I think that there's word? people there without that yeah. label that are far more disabled than you are. <laughs> you know, that's what I mean. I don't know. I think that's word. It's kind of weird. Because um, you have far more ability than most people to do. I mean, how many races have you done so far? A little over 200. <laughs> and that's range. So, you guys, that's. Um, Long distance obstacle courses for so, time. Uh, yeah, it's anywhere from, you know, an obstacle course race, half marathon. I've never done a marathon. Not yeah. yet. Yeah, thank you. It, it's going to happen probably in the next year. But that, I got to really strategize. Uh, but um, yeah, anywhere from like a 5K, 10K, 15K, half marathon, uh, Red Bull races. Um, You're out there doing it. 24-hour races I've done. What are those, like uh, 80 miles? No, it's, you know, it's not merely the miles. It's more about working with the team and strategizing how you can, you know, they have it up in, uh, up in the mountains and you basically, there's like a couple of areas that you can climb and, 
you know, each one has like four miles, two miles, three miles. And you, you try to just, you work with the team to accomplish as much as you can. So your personal goal is your personal, like there's no set goal. So if I can only climb one of those mountains twice, but I was up for 24 hours. There you go. Perfect. All right. I'm going to get into this more in a little bit. I want to circle back. Um, what was your childhood like? Um, so growing up, I pretty much, uh, was an only child. Uh, my brother and I are 10 years apart. He was doing his own thing. Never saw him. So it was just, my dad worked a lot to keep, uh, insurance and a roof over our head. That's all he did was work. Where'd you grow up? I grew up up north in a small town, <laughs> Bakersfield. Strong, I hear it's a uh, huge vacation spot. Oh yeah, it's the de- <laughs> it's the destination. Everybody's flocking there. So you grew up in Bakersfield, um, and were you in public schools? So the funny thing about that is my mom. It was pretty much my mom and I. You know, she she didn't she she couldn't work. I mean, having twenty eight operations, it was just like something after you know the next. Um, so they enrolled me into normal school, regular school, I'm sorry. And uh, immediately the school was like, wait a minute. I don't think so. She can be in the special ed classes in the trailer by the exit. The small, you know, the, the smaller bus can pick her up. And my mom was like, there's nothing wrong with her brain. So that didn't work out. So my parents had to hire attorneys. So at that time, are you on crutches? Um, so I went from a really cool duck waddle and like holding whatever I could and walking. Uh, and then my parents saw that was just way too much for me. And then they put me, it was just, yeah, it was so much effort. I'd get so tired so quickly. And then they're like, well, let's give her a walker. So I had a walker. I had a basket in the front with my name on there and snacks pencils whatever could go in the front and i just crutched on this walker and then you know i was in physical therapy and it was suggested that i get crutches i think i had to be about six and um so you had like a prowler you're working you're pushing around a prowler yeah. <laughs> working on your strength already in the beginning yeah totally well yeah and so i imagine though you know kids are super curious and, and inquisitive and filterless Mm-hmm. that that it, it, it must have been difficult because, again, uh, L5 and up. And, and for the, the listeners, if you don't know what L5 is, it's, it's right above your sacrum. So it's almost like where, I don't know, where your, your belt line is if you're wearing pants. Yeah. You know, that's, it's also where everyone hurts their back, the L5 area. So yeah. from L5 and above, like obviously your personality, your brain, vision, yeah, thoughts, everything, from everything, is, like, everything <laughs> is like, yeah. And then right from the waist, it's like a really major curve. And then it's like my body from there on tries to be straight, but then it works against me. Yeah. Yeah. But the point is that you have, <laughs> you're totally aware of your surroundings because there's nothing wrong with your personality, your thoughts, your learning ability. <laughs> And so you, I imagine all these kids have just been, you know, side eyes or confused. I just really or, curious. Did it know? You know, I'd go to the playground and 
I'd play like if nothing and I'd get on the swing and kids would take off my crutches and put them completely on the opposite side of the playground. And then I would, you know, have people calling me, you know, start bullying me at a very young age. And, you know, I told my mom, hey, I got a new nickname at school. And she's like, what? You are not Herman Monster. You are not contagious. You are not disabled. You're not a freak. Let me step in and do something. So again, my mom had to speak really loud. And she told the principal, you need to have a disability awareness day and put everybody in the cafeteria. Did that happen? It did. And they brought in a, a nurse. They brought in an extra wheelchair, an extra pair of crutches. I wear a leg braces. So they brought in some AFOs. And I, you know, I can't remember to, you know, the severity. I, I just, I don't remember. Like I, I remember certain things and I just remember that kids, from that point on, we're a little bit nicer. Wasn't having as many name calling. Yeah, I'm assuming, it, you know, the education component and the understanding, because we, we have, we generally like question or disagree or have misunderstandings about things that we don't know about. Yeah. And But kids can be brutal. Well, there's no filter. Right? Yeah, yeah. Kids don't really have a filter. It's, you know, it's them learning too. Yeah, yep. It really is because, you know, if a child says something and I hear it, which I, this happens way too well. It happens so much at the grocery store. Mommy, look. And if I'm happy to go that way, I'm like, hi, is this your daughter? Is this your son? Hi, I'm Misty. Do you see these crutches? Aren't they cool? <gasps> see, I think, I think in those situations, there are opportunities to connect and grow. Um, and I say that cause let's just say, let's just say I'm walking around at work. I'm in uniform, right? And I've had people just, that I don't know, just look at me and call me a murderer. Just like, like murderer. And if I have a chance, I stop I'm like, Hey, let's talk. Yeah. Why are you saying that? And so we, and now next, you know, there's an education component because there's, there's distance. And now if you get rid close that distance and understanding, and then there's growth. And next thing you know, you're moving along together. So, uh, I'm also curious. So you, you have this ability and you know, kids are mean. And I'm kind of curious at what point, and if your mom or is it self-taught where you start to have like, um, internal self-confidence. Oh no, that, that, that took long time. Yeah. Like, Literally the last seven years <laughs> from <right>. today. <laughs> okay. <laughs> no. So, um, you, did you go to college? No, I did not. Okay. So up to high school. I wanted to. So you're in public, public school up to I'm high school. I'm in public. No, no. I'm not. Surprise. You so dissed out? What's going I, on I was here? like, that's it. School's no. I'm just kidding. So, um, no, I, you know, I've had 28 operations. That doesn't include exploratory surgeries. I mean, sometimes we would just schedule a sur surgery just to open me up to see why such and such is happening. And um, by junior high, I had missed over 100 
days, the school once again stepped in and was like, you got to figure something out. Like she's not showing up. She's not doing her work. So, uh, well, that's 28 starting from like uh, birth to yeah, like junior high, junior high. So I, I did homeschooling most of my junior high and all of my high school, literally just at a table and a, a teacher came twice a week. Probably learn better that way, actually. No. I couldn't really learn. It was really, really hard for me to pay attention, to sit still, to concentrate and read a book because I was either on a medication for pain, so that altered my thinking. I was either in pain or I was in the process of going through physical therapy to get me to prepare for my next surgery. Now, this is junior high, so we're talking like 10, 11, 12, 13. That's going to be really hard for a kid. It was like I would do really, really, like I, I, had, I, I played amazing at the piano. I, I mean, come on, look at it. Yeah. She got those, those, yeah. mitts, those mitts right there and those fingers. <laughs> I killed it. And then I would get really good. I had a private you know, teacher. Parents bought me a piano, bought me a guitar, private lessons. I'd get really good. And then guess what? I'd have to go into another, I'd have to have another surgery. And I'd have to go through the process all over again. That is, first of all, that's horrible. Okay. And the thing <laughs> and is. And I'm smiling as you say that. <laughs> no, because you're agreeing with me, right? Yeah, there's, it was. It was shitty. There's, that's horrible. And as a kid, you're disconnected from your peers. Yeah. And you, and you must have felt almost like a science experiment, like a Frankenstein. You're just sitting there getting zippered. I didn't know any better. I didn't. And the friends that I had were just like, maybe one or two friends. But I always like I I was always able to make friends, but it was just keeping them, <laughs> because you know they would go off and go to, you know, do activities, and yeah. I couldn't do that. Yet. Yeah. So, do you think there's anything? I'm gonna take this moment. Is there anything looking back on it that someone could do for a kid in that moment to help them? What I'm saying is like. Uh, some type of like, not psychology, but, or lessons or, or house visits or like if somebody, if you met a kid right now, who's 12 years old going through that, how would you help them? I would hope that there'd be like support groups or there would be, but yeah, see, well now look at our day and age, you can be recovering in bed or you could be at home and you could just jump on social media and find a, find a beautiful group and. I'm talking to people from all over the world. Back then, I didn't have that. Yeah, that's a very good point. I, I didn't, I didn't have that. And, I didn't have any of that. It was literally like a coloring book and some crayons with the... And so what does that lead to? So you're in junior high, you're going through that, and then you get into, your, into more of your teenage years. Are we doing hobbies? Are we going to oh. movies? Are we in our room? feeling sorry for ourselves like what's going on man that was, it, teenage years were the worst i think teenage years in general are really hard for you know kids that age because you know they're going through the whole growing process and trying to understand you know why this is happening and they're having all these emotions well i had all of that and then trying to figure out 
if I need to sign papers for my next surgery, if I want to be resuscitated or not. Do you ever think no? <laughs> so, yeah, I put no every time. And that was my decision. It still is. But I will say this in the paperwork, just a little tidbit. I've never had a blood transfusion. All right. Right? That's pretty, it's pretty cool. That spirit is clinging on. No, I refused. Refused blood transfusions? Mm-hmm. So you're making the doctors go, hmm, got to be on my game. I have so much. It's, I can't wait to write a tell-all book. These doctors were livid. We went to court once. Over, over what? Because I, my parents refused to give me a blood transfusion. And I, I completely agreed with them. Why? Mm, my parents' religion. I mean, now I'm, I'm not that religion, but I still would say. You'd still say no to the blood transfusion? <sighs> I can't answer that. I'd have to be in that moment. I think it would definitely be on the table for a discussion if we had that chance. Missy, if you're in a Spartan race and you get sliced in your femoral artery, lose blood, I'm going to be like, hey, uh, you know, I'm really not okay with you just bouncing out of of earth right now. So we're going to go ahead and give you a blood transfusion. We're just going to give you blood transfusion. Nope. You're you're helping too many people. You're not allowed. Nope. But that's just me. If there's something. um, I've never been asked that. It's just something, it's, it's one of those things that it's instilled in you and you, you, I kind of understand why, but it's like, now that I've got this life, like, I don't know, I want to like, what's the why? You know, for, without getting into religion, you know, my parents believe that blood is sacred and for blood to enter your body, that's not yours. You're contaminating it. What but about I, eating things that aren't you or air you're breathing? We could talk all day about this discussion. Right. But I was raised, and that's how I was raised. And I was like the second person ever to use a cell saver. What's that? A cell saver is a machine that they use for people who are losing too much blood. And say it's just, I don't know, I'm making this up. Say it's coming out of your neck. You get all this blood coming out of your neck. Will they like connect somehow like this tube? to where you're losing all the blood and it takes it through this filter and it filters it to, and then it cycles through and it rebags. So they take that bag and then they hook it up like they would a blood transfusion and put it right back into you. It's very expensive and insurance does not like to pay for it. So you're giving yourself your own blood transfusion. Yeah. I'm assuming that hole in which the blood is squirting out, <laughs> they did. It's not, it's not, you're not gonna, talking like an injury. Like, hurry up and put like a little on it. Yeah. Oh, man. What was the most painful one? I, so people who have uh, spina bifida, either they experience this sometime in their life. Uh, they have tethered cord syndrome. And it's because the, so again, my damage is L5. So my cords run straight until it hits L5. And then when it hits L5, it's like 
You ever see uh, those rubber bands that you get at like Staples or Office Depot? And it's like a thing of rubber bands. Mm, like a ball? Yeah. Okay. So my cords are like that at L5. And then it goes straight. So the damage, so it's straight, damage, and then straight. So somehow the cords get pulled more and it causes issues, whether it be movement mm. on one side, whatever cord is being pulled the most. So, you know, here I go in for this surgery the second time. And, um, you know, I'm having like loss in my bladder. I'm, you know, I'm having issues on my right side walking, like all of these things. And I go in for the surgery that was supposed to take like what, six, seven hours. And it had been 14 hours long. And I wake up in ICU and I am bloated as a fish. Like, I am just like, you could pick up my skin and it would just stretch. And it was just filled with fluid. And you could just pinch the skin and it would like burn. It was so bad. And I just remember waking up and my mom was crying. And she's like, I'm really sorry, but they didn't finish. Mm. And I was like, what day is it? I didn't know what day it was. I didn't know what time it was. I didn't even know where I was at. And I never went back. See, now that, uh, that can happen to a normal spine, right? I mean, the nerve canals. Yeah, like you I mean, can you could like, have like an injury or something and it can be pulled. And I mean, the likelihood of that is happening is very rare, but it's more frequent with people with spina bifida. Because they're in the process of growing. So yeah. it happens when you're usually younger. You know, your body's growing and stretching and then there's that damage. So you, was this, most of these surgeries at the same hospital? Yeah, all my surgeries were done at UCLA Hospital, I think, but one. Over here in Westwood. Okay. I feel like after that many surgeries, you should have like a plaque or something. Gold star. Up. Yeah, something up in the hallways. No, but I do know all the like basements and like we would just walk for hours, my mom and I, and she would push me or drag me in the little radio flyer and we had nothing to do. So we'd find something to do. Have you ever been through a uh, children's hospital? Mm-hmm. Yes. That is a perspective. Completely different. I mean, changer like, for people. It's like instant gratitude. Yeah. I was in the hospital uh, a year ago. Will be next week. I was in the hospital for eight days, so I'm almost a year free from being at the hospital, being in the hospital. And we just literally was in my wheelchair, just walking around, and we went down to the peds. And I was like, "Whoa, I'm happy I'm here from just this." Yep, but I think that's an area that, I mean, you can probably have a lot of uh, positive effect on kids. Yeah. But man, oh man, oh man. So this, so you have all these surgeries and you're getting into like high school age. You have like kids like doing prom. You have like the first kisses. You have, you know, staying out too late and not coming home when you're supposed to. And, you know, cursing at mom. You know, I want you out of my life. You know, all the silly teenage years. For, for you, I'm assuming you spend most of those time home on some medication. I did. I was, you know, I don't remember in grade detail, but I do remember I was home a lot. Um, but I was pretty sociable when I could be. You know, I was 
um, again, I was due to my parents' rules. I was only allowed to hang out with people of that religion. And um, I had a limited amount of friends. And whenever I could, I would do something. And if not, my girlfriend would come over. I had a couple of girlfriends that would just come over and hang out. But there was no prom. There was no, no like, I don't know. I, won't, I don't want to say there wasn't a first kiss because, I mean, I didn't have an issue <laughs> with that. That's a whole other topic. Um, but, I mean, <laughs> I mean, I found a way. <laughs> um, but, no, like, I don't, I don't know. I was really confused, and I didn't have anyone to talk to. I didn't meet anybody with my condition until my 20s. So it's like walking around and you never see somebody like you and you don't know. You think the entire time that you're the only one going through this because there is no social media where I could just Google or hashtag Spina Beautiful and thousands of photos come up. I I didn't know. I thought I was the only one. So in, in addition to the, the, the actual physical, mechanical pain that you're going through with your, your organic spaceship that you're currently occupying here, <laughs> uh, are you suffering like depression? Are you contemplating suicide? Oh man, I have really hard core depression. And depression and mental illness runs in my family, and uh, I didn't know that until years ago. But um, I didn't have, you know, again, not knowing. I'm thinking this entire time that I've gone through all of these surgeries that I'm the only one, and I didn't know why. And, you know, my parents had put so many rules. They were rules. Um, on top of that, due to their beliefs, without ever asking, hey, what do you think? Or you go ahead and make that decision. It was just really hard. I didn't, you know, I couldn't talk to anybody about dating. I couldn't, it just, there was, I didn't have anybody to talk to. Did you ever attempt suicide? Uh, I did. I did. I have three suicide attempts under my belt. And the last one was the state came in and was like, nope. We're putting some regulations on you and taking away your rights. What? Yeah. I'll never forget the cop telling me that. Well, (laughs) well, age was the first one. I think I had to be, I don't know exactly, but I was in my teens. Were they by pills? Yeah. I always had access to pills. Always. Is that what the, the three attempts, were they all pill related? Um, I think the second one was cutting. I have a really gnarly scar on my left leg. And then that's why I have some tattoos right here to cover. I don't think I've ever talked about this. Um, to cover up the, the scars. And then uh, the third one was like two bottles of pills. On the second one, you slice the inner thigh? Yeah, I was just like, that's the thing, is like, I don't have fear. So I was like, <laughs> like, it was just so bad. I mean, what I do now, no, obviously not. I mean, I'm scared of anything. Let me see. Mm, this one is the most. And then I have like a gnarly gash right here on my legs. So, so just for, and maybe we'll, we'll get some photos of this stuff. And by the way, uh, I figured that part out. Dun dun. But let me see your left arm. So you where you have slash marks, what does it say? 
Now. Just breathe. And? Beautifully broken. And that's a picture of a, of a broken heart. Yes. Positivity and strength. So, yes. So just side note, this beautifully broken one was like after my second attempt. And then this one was recently, like the past two years, maybe three years. Just breathe. So there's a difference. Like you could see how this was like, ah, my life. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And this one was like, dude, you got this. Just breathe. That's so good. if I would have known, like if I would have just waited, I wouldn't yeah. have probably had this one. Yeah, but <laughs> this is still part of your, your story and process. And actually, that's still very, that's still very, very beautiful. And it's a good reminder of where you came from and, and where you're at now and how you can help people. All right, let me see your other arm. Uh, this one is an ocean wave. So I got this one recently, like six months ago on a whim. And my girlfriend who stuck by my side, who was the same religion that my parents were, uh, she always would just encourage me. She didn't care. No rules, no limitations. And she'd be like, just do whatever makes you happy. But uh, she's like, I'm going to get a tattoo. Come down and visit me. So I'm like, okay, I'll go with you. So I got this little ocean wave because I have had the hardest issue with allowing things just to go, like just to happen. Because I'm always like detail. Okay. So tomorrow I'm going to wake up at eight. I'm going to have some coffee. Then after that, I'm going to, I'm going to do this. And then after that, nine o'clock, nine thirty, nine forty-five. you know, I'm going to. You're stressing me out. <laughs> it's just like all of this yeah. planned instead of, Hey, maybe I'm going to go have lunch with somebody and we're going to talk and have coffee. But if it's not in the schedule, I can't do it. And I've always been like that. So I was like, no more. So I got a little ocean wave to just remind me that when I am and I look down to just go with the flow, enjoy life, like chill. And then this. Um, it also reminds me of um, uh, Lindsay Valenzuela's gym. She has a thing called, one of the sayings she has is, into the wave we make you brave. Hmm. I don't know. That's just, I thought that's where you're going to go with, but it's another into the wave we make you brave. Also, the storm up here, the same thing on the coin. <laughs> yeah. All right, keep going. I want to hear about this one. And this one was like 20 on Hollywood Boulevard, thinking I was just the most. But what does it say? Dream as if you'll live forever, live as if you'll die today from James Dean. Either way, super awesome. And it just reminds me that, again, we have such limited time on this earth. Like, stop spending it dwelling on coulda, shoulda, woulda. And then this tattoo is my, uh, this one, and then I got that one. So this one is a turtle unicorn. And that one's on the inside of your right bicep. Yes. And so this turtle unicorn happened, I want to say, so I've been running for about seven years, maybe a little less. And immediately they would say, oh my God, you're a turtle unicorn because your speed, you know, is like kind of like turtle speed. <laughs> But you're a unicorn because you're like going over these mountains, you know, you're going over these walls and you're consistently moving forward. So this is a turtle who was told that he was slow and he was picked last like I was on the team. No one ever picked me to be on their team. Now everybody wants to be on the team, which <laughs> makes it's just so crazy to me. But uh, he was always picked last and he was told he was slow and told, you know, all of these crazy things. And one day he just believed in himself and started overcoming all of these obstacles because he never gave up. Children's book soon. 
Yeah, you should. I and totally want to. Unicorns have that magical strength. <laughs> All right, now you have... So going back to the... First of all, I'm glad number two didn't work. All right. Yeah. Bathtub? I don't even remember. All right. The third one was the worst. Uh, more pills? Yeah, the third one I could actually feel my body shutting down. I could feel it. I was like, okay. And then I Were got really sleepy. Scared. No, like I started having issues breathing. Things started hurting that I'd never had felt before. And I got really scared. At first I wasn't scared. And then all of a sudden when I felt pain, I'd never felt. And I just, I couldn't breathe. I felt like I was like in, in the ocean and like the wave is just slowly like, cause you're swallowing so much water. And uh, for some reason, I'll never forget it. I left my front door unlocked and I had just moved into this nice apartment and I was going through, going through a divorce and uh, my parents didn't want anything to do with me. And I hadn't talked to my parents in like forever. And that's religion based, right? Not, yeah, okay. not my base. Um, and uh, I was just alone and for some reason I left my door unlocked it was like 3 in the morning and I could feel my body and the only thing that I could think of because I went in like this panic mode was to grab my phone and I couldn't I didn't have the, the strength to dial and I just hit a button and it was my mom and she answered and she said I, I could have sworn by the time I let go the phone dropped out of my hand she was at my door. I have no idea how. She was like, she must have flown. I don't, I don't know. Super mom. And I just remember them saying, I'm sorry. You, you have no rights. You are now deemed by the state and we're making all of your decisions. And they pumped my stomach and I was fighting like hell. And that's, I just woke up and, what is it, 3B? Who is it your mom that found you each time? No, just the, the last time, yeah. Who found you on number two? Mm, I think it was my husband at the time. Did yeah. You? And I just remember that, yeah, because we went to the, yeah, it was, it was my husband at the time because we went to uh, the ER and he's like, are you using a machete? Like, we're going to have to stick, uh, what are those really long needles that they have to stick into you so you don't get like, I don't know. They stuck these really long, crazy needles into every uh, slice of where I had cut. And uh, I think that was the most pain I had ever felt from the needle. It wasn't actually. Mm. Yeah. How's your mom doing with that? I mean, I know it's not connect. You guys aren't connected like you used to be, but I'm just saying, because finding people, especially someone that you're like personally connected to finding someone that you, that you do have love for that to try to do that is a, is a difficult thing for those people. I don't think we've ever talked about it. Um, I think at the time when I woke up in the hospital in my own room <laughs> with nothing around me that I could pick up, uh, it was like this padded room kind of thing. Um, I think she was just like in gratitude that I was just awake 
and and we've never talked about it to this day. If you do feel like it, um, I don't know. I mean, my kids are young, but finding my kid that had done that, that would probably affect me for a long time. So as a, and I know you guys have been through a whole bunch of stuff, Uh right? A whole bunch of stuff. But a lot of that stuff wasn't your fault. Like, not saying this is your fault either, but it's still self-inflicted. And so, I don't know. I'm kind of curious. Maybe reach out. She might be suffering a little bit from it. Maybe just write a letter. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I was thinking about that the other day. Don't think about it. Do it. I know. Don't stifle that. Never stifle a generous impulse, all right? If you're feeling that, do it. And this goes out for the listeners, too. If, if you have that feeling towards somebody in your family, a friend... Your kids, your parents, don't waste time. Do it. Because you might not have that time. Text them if you have to. Call them. Write to them. But do it now. Don't wait. Because you might not have time. And then especially if you're feeling it, that's the moment. Because sometimes, at least with me, I can't just sit down and then have the passion flow out. That's not how I work. When it's there, I have to like jump on that. You have to like take action Yeah, I have to jump on the passion train and let's ride. Yeah. And just let it go. And holy smokes, you know what? It might be completely liberating. And you might be really helping your mom. Yeah. All right. Um, what woke you up? <laughs> so I am married again. And uh, it's the craziest four weeks. Because I'm, I'm impulsive. You tell me to do something, I just do it. Like, I don't, if I have an idea, I usually just do it. I don't even really think about it. And that's good and bad. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I get married again. And I call my mom up after I get my family, after I get married. I'm like, yeah, I got married. And uh, <gasps> my parents are used to my shenanigans by then. And, you know, I'm still kind of walking around in life and, not really dealing with my problems and facing just facing my issues and I'm using other things to to mask it and I'm doing crazy things and I don't know I uh I find myself moving to Los Angeles uh, and we move into this apartment And I'm having issues with my intestines. And um, this is where it gets kind of touchy for me because not until like a couple months ago did I kind of have some like, I'll get there and I'll tell you. It kind of did like a full circle. And uh, I'm noticing that I'm having issues with my intestines. And and I go for, for a consultation with this doctor that was highly recommended and he's like, you need to have this surgery. And then you have all this relief and you won't be in pain, da 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 And I just got married. I just moved. And I was trying to start my life. I'm trying to be a wife. And I'm trying to be, you know, just a human being on this earth. And, uh, you know, we, we do this whole pre-op thing to have this surgery. And I was going to go home that day. And I get out of surgery and I'm in a room. 
like my actual, and I know the difference. I know the difference, like a pre-room that, you know, mm-hmm. yep. and then a room. Like an outpatient or inpatient. Yeah. And I'm, I'm in a room and I just got like this gut feeling. And I was there for 10 days on morphine twice a day. It's a lot of ice chips. Yeah. And he's like, I don't know what happened, but I accidentally cut too much. And there was an issue with the surgery. And ever since that day, I tried to go back to my life, but I was in more pain than I'd ever been. I think I was bleeding for like five years, even when I was racing. I don't think nobody knows that. Nobody. I don't think I've ever talked about that. But I just dealt with it. And I just dealt with that pain. And um, I was so angry. I was so angry at this doctor. So I'm, I'm here. I'm dealing with that. And uh, I'm just, I'm a wreck. And my husband couldn't take on, he just, he, he just couldn't take it on. It was just too much. He started over drinking and he would try to get sober and he would over drink even more and he would try to go to AA and he would drink even more. It was just really crazy and me just trying to deal with my issues. And I even had a male nurse come to my house, which is really degrading for me. And uh, I'm in this situation and it's my 28th operation and you know, we, we go through a divorce and uh, I'm alone at the courthouse. Nobody's there for me. And he has his whole family and uh, we go in and do whatever. And I walk out and I'll never forget. I walked up to this lady who was walking the same way that I was. And I go, I feel free. She's like, what, honey? I go, I feel free. Wasn't crying, wasn't anything. I was just like, like weight had been lifted. I mean, meanwhile, I'm still in pain, but in, uh, I was like, okay, I got a month left in my uh, apartment and I don't have a dime to my name. And uh, I became homeless. Wait, how, what happened in that moment? You're just like, were, I, I don't know. It was were just, you just like walking in the hallways of court. No, I was outside in downtown Long Beach. And I just felt free. It was the weirdest thing. The girl was wearing a dress. I'll never forget what she looks like. And I just was like, I don't, I don't know. I just felt like just free. It's like, man, sometimes people have that feeling like from a certain experience uh, for me, I've, I've actually had in some of the, the Wim Hof breathing, uh, and I've been in court a bunch, you know, in my line of work, and I definitely never felt free <laughs> over like, there, <laughs> but holy smokes, like, yeah. like almost she was like just a, like, good job for you, honey, you keep yeah. it up, and she patted me on the back, and I was just walking towards my car, passing a hot dog stand, <laughs> like, do you think you just had some sort of weird, um, like, I want to say rock bottom, because can always get worse. Oh no, like my a, rock bottom came even more. That's what I'm saying. It can get worse. <laughs> it got worse. But like a, a, a power of like surrender and acceptance? I think. Or do you think an angel just came and took away some grief? I just felt like I took on way too much. And I was trying to be something that I wasn't. Because, you know, it, it was instilled to me. You know, you you go to school, you... You know, you date, you get married, you 
you have a family, you... And that was it. Like, there was nothing more to it. And I was always just trying to be what... I don't want to say parents because it just sounds... I was trying to be the that example that they had set. And if you know me, I'm not like that at all. Like, well, that's what they said. Yeah. I was never able to just make my own decisions. So you have freedom. Yeah. Acceptance. Well, is it around? Cause I'm kind of curious here. Like, is this like the time period where you had acceptance, uh, for like, I don't know. It's almost like, like you did nothing to get spina bifida. It's boom. There it is. You've had it since day. I don't know what. Well, day definitely day one, but it started way before that in development. But at what point in time did you accept it? Oh, that didn't come till later. I want to say like maybe seven years ago to today. Till now. I um. I ended up becoming homeless for three months. Um, the only income I had was maybe like 800 bucks a month and, um, Salvation Army. If you call them up, they'll come and take whatever. I had them take everything except for two suitcases that were mine. And, uh, I gave up my dog for three months, which was the hardest thing I'd ever done. And, uh, she went to a family that was like, that took care of her just so great. And, um, I went to AA I don't, I don't know. Like I just, by then I was on morphine like three times a day, which just altered my thinking, limited my ability, just put me in this fog and uh, I'm living in my car or I'm sleeping at girlfriend's house or friends' houses on their couch. And, uh, I'd wash your dishes, their dishes, clean their house in exchange for a night on their couch. And um, during the day, because I didn't, I didn't have a job at the time, I just would sit in AA. I'm smiling because <laughs> one, um, I did the same thing. I was staying on. I, I've I've spent a summer in a closet uh, at a friend's place. I I spent some time living on my buddy's couch. But there's something it, like for a lot of people. There's something about sleeping on somebody else's couch for a while that just launches you if you choose to. Yeah. And so I'm smiling because I know, I know what you've become and grown into. I'm not saying it came from the couch. Yeah. But, but there is a moment in life for people that helps build uh, perspective and gratitude. And Oh, man, gratitude like you wouldn't believe. The first mm-hmm. night I ever spent in my apartment, my own apartment in my queen bed was like, yeah. I just, I, it was the best feeling ever. So let's talk, <laughs> well, I, I want to talk about the acceptance because I think that's an important part. Yeah. Because one, for, for the other people out there listening and for the kids out there listening, but do you, can you pinpoint like how that process happened? Was it something you read? Was it a movie? No, it was literally me one day saying that's it like I'm not going to I'm not going to take this medicine that is prescribed to me because I feel really really foggy and I've been in that fog since I came out kicking 
I mean, immediately when I was born, I was already given medicine. There was like no grace period of like, yep. it was just instant. And um, it was really, it was a slow process. I started seeing colors for the first time. Like I would walk around Los Angeles and I'd see like a flower and it'd be like red. And I'd be like, I've never seen that color red in my life. And that red had always been there. And it just seems so 3D to me. And I would, I even have pictures still. And it's, it's a locked, closed album. But I would just take pictures of these most random things that were just so... And um, slowly but surely, it was a slow process of having acceptance. Uh, I never owned a full-length mirror. Now, if you walk into my house, I have like these huge mirrors. But um, I just couldn't comprehend that this was my body. This is what I was given. This is what I'm working with. And just one day, I just was like, I'm going to start walking. I'm going to start walking from my door to my mailbox. And I did that, and I kept a consistent, small you know, routine of that. And then my next goal was like the end of the block. And this is where the acceptance came in, because I started getting outside of my comfort zone. I lived two blocks away from the beach at the time. Found like this little studio apartment for after three months I was couch surfing. Venice? No, Long Beach. Mm-hmm. And uh, it just, acceptance, it just kind of grew on me. Like it just was like, if you're able to walk from your house to the ocean, what else could you do? Like that was a huge thing for me. Like to be able to walk two blocks was huge for me. I feel like you started to have your senses back and not only have your senses, but be in complete gratitude for them. Yeah. Like even the ability to, the ability, and I've talked about this a whole bunch on here, and that is having like being deeply rooted in gratitude and understanding that movement itself is a gift. And the ability to see colors, the ability to smell the ocean, the ability to feel the breeze, the ability to make the, the, the decision to go from your porch to the mailbox. And then the curiosity to go beyond that. Let me ask you though, because more isn't always more, right? So you're done all kinds of stuff. But has anything been as like powerful or, or as successful for you as going from you know, your house to the ocean or your house to the mailbox? I'm saying any of these races. Could we talk about you know, we're talking about scale here, right? Because obviously some of the races you've done, uh, there's well able-bodied males out there that can't do it. But everyone, they might be able to make it to their mailbox, but I'm talking about the monumental meaning for it, of it and what it taught you. That makes sense? I don't know about races in general, but I think people that I've met I've had people come up to me and been like because of you I lost weight now I'm not talking like 20 pounds I'm talking like weight where they look completely 180 I've had kids come up to me and say my po- your posters in my room what <laughs> what um, I've had people come up to me and say 
because of you, I didn't commit suicide. Because of you, I now exercise and do my best. Um, I, I recently spoke uh, at a kid's elementary school and um, they gave me a couple, the teacher a couple weeks later mailed me some pictures and I'm looking through the pictures that the kids drew of me and, and what their favorite moment was. And one of the kids wrote, thank you for showing me how to be strong even when people tell you not to. And it had a picture of him and I together. And I don't think I even had crutches. I might have had, I don't think I had crutches in that picture. But to me, they don't see me with the crutches. Unlike adults today, some, you know, like, I don't know, that's, it's, it's a child is not seeing me. I don't know, to me, when I got the photo, I just looked at it and I was like, wow. I'm the same height in this picture. <laughs> I'm like, okay. <laughs> uh, those are the moments. Well, I also want to point out that I think your crutches are a symbol of strength, not of weakness. Yeah. You know, I guess you could say it's in the eye of the beholder, but would you say that's your biggest accomplishment? Having those things? My biggest accomplishment aside from that, which is I think is a huge accomplishment, is being able to have acceptance. I can stand in front of a mirror and be like, dang, that shirt looks great on you today. Uh, I couldn't do that before. I'd be like, everything looks ugly on me. Like, why am I just need to wear like a big baggy clothes? Even, even like I was a, like in, a mumu, yeah, <laughs> like I would just, I was in Florida three months ago for a race to do some public speaking and I'm in my hotel room and you know, Florida is like God awfully hot and muggy and I'm like, Oh my God. Okay. What am I going to wear today? And I had like these really cute pants and like this cutoff shirt that was only from right here. And I don't know. Before I wouldn't wear it, but I put it on and I got in front of the mirror and I was like, you're going to, I literally had this talk out loud in my hotel room. You are going to wear this outfit. You are going to smile because you look great. Today's the day. Like you're going to have a great day. Like you are beautiful. You are strong. And as soon as I walked out of my room, I go down to the lobby and this girl's like, you look great. Look at your muscles. And I was like, <laughs> like I don't know, just yeah. like moment, like I didn't expect that at all. Like, well, <laughs> it's not like that shirt. The shirt doesn't make you, right? No. I guess that's the lesson there. It's not the. It's not the stuff. It's you. It's just feeling confident in my own skin. Since day one, I've never felt confident in my own skin. I was trying to get out of because it was so uncomfortable. I've been uncomfortable since day one. I think that's why I kind of do okay in uncomfortable situations. And it just now hit me, like literally a couple of weeks ago, I was like, oh my God, and I was driving and I'm like, that's why you put me in uncomfortable situations, whether it be a race or, you know, speaking in front of people that, you know, a job that came like literally overnight and I'm okay with it. I don't freak out. I'm like, well, it's got to figure this out. Let's adapt. Yeah, what's the saying go? You, you can't have a lotus without mud. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. 
Um, do you ever like sit still? I mean, we've kind of talked about this offline, but sit still and, and do any type of meditation or journey inward, anything like that? I should be, but I don't. Um, I, if anything, I, I do journal. I have a gratitude journal. Oh, that's form. That's the form of it. Good. Yeah, and uh, I do do that. As far as meditation and like sitting there quietly and stuff like that, no. I'm not opposed to it. I just ah soon. I think sometimes my I think meditation come in a couple you know several different ways. Like sometimes I'll just put on a really good podcast and put my earbuds in and kind of just sit there and just listen while I'm not doing anything, while I'm not driving or while I'm yep, yep. just home alone. Have you ever read um, any stuff by Louis Zamperini? Ever heard of his name? Yeah. Louis. Uh, he's the, the, that movie Unbroken was based off of him. In the, in the, it's like a famous book called Unbroken. Anyways, mm-hmm. so some of the stuff that he, some of the quotes he says is that he, he talks about it's, it's not how you win, it's how you lose. <laughs> and some of, these, some of those things kind of reminded me of you. So I jotted down right there. And then the next thing I wrote down was that accomplishment is the key to self-respect. And so I'm kind of curious. So you've, you're conquering these races and you're making these accomplishments and what is that doing for you? So it really didn't hit me until like maybe like a year ago. So I decided to get into bench pressing, right? Something I would never think I would ever do. It's just, if you see me, I kind of like a girly girl. I like to wear red lipstick, but I mean, I'll also play in the mud or, you know, whatever. But whenever I see these people who are competing for, you know, powerlifting, they're like gnarly. And even the women, they're like, ah. Yes, thick old slabs of beef. And this woman by the name of Liz, look her up by hashtag and you'll see what I'm talking about. Liz, L-I-Z, and then Freel, F-R-E-E-L. And she kept asking me, please be on my team. Please be on my team. I see you working out here almost every day. You're so strong. Let me teach you. I told her three no times. Finally, the fourth time, I'm like, okay. She goes, give me four weeks. I said, I'll give you three. And she's like, okay, that's fine. That's all I need. And her story, I've been bench pressing now since February. What, we're in August now? Okay, so I find out she has end-stage cancer. And she's asking me to be on her team of two. So now there's three of us. And the first day, I don't know anything. She lovingly teaches me the first day. This is what we do, honey. She calls me honey. And I notice, because nothing is adaptive. My left leg hits the ground, but my right, day, my right leg doesn't. So she's like, I'm going to stretch you. So she pu- which it doesn't hurt. So she pushes on my right leg to help stretch it. And it feels so good. Because it's like my body's not, you know, it's, it's being stretched. Like, and uh, I go back the second time, the third time, the fourth time. My leg is now hitting the ground. And she's showing up even when she doesn't feel good. 
and I'm learning that I she it was so crazy. She, the other day she was like, "You've added so much value to my life." She's like, "I think that's why I'm still here." She's like, "I've learned so much from you." I'm like, "What? I've learned from you. I didn't know I was capable." I now hold my state division record three times. What? (laughs) And she's patiently and lovingly teaching me and showing up and checking on me and I'm checking on her and I'm being of service to her when she's sick and we're, it's like a team. I just, I would have never expected that. I'm able to be of service to somebody who is who's dying. And she's telling me I'm adding life to her, like value to her life. Like what? I, I don't know. Well, you're on a path of service and gratitude. And I'm loving it. And you're a lighthouse. <laughs> Sure, it's not my highlighter. No, <laughs> no, but, <laughs> no, but you are. You know, that's why I'm like really proud. That's why I was proud to show you my little lighthouse picture up here, and also proud to give you the Sisu Way coin. Thank you. Because I don't just, I don't just give those out. You know. Yeah. And and so if you pay attention, it, it, all the metaphors. So you take this a lighthouse, right? It's standing up there in the middle of a storm, and you have all these waves just like your wrist. You have waves. They're wild. They're unpredictable. It's like life crashing all around you. At the same time, it's unbelievably beautiful. Mm-hmm. Right? The ocean is beautiful and it's yeah. dark. So you see that there's darkness and there's also light off in the distance. And it's kind of like the way I see how your story is. is you've, been up, you've been in darkness for a long time and now you're, you spend most of your life in some darkness and some haze. And now you've woken up and you, you started, you're, you're glowing I think the medication kind of muted your glow a little bit. Just a little. Oh, yep. it totally did. Yep. And you're glowing, but also not only glowing internally outside, but now you're providing light for others. And you're staying calm in the storm. I can go on and on about this. Somebody asked me uh, yesterday. I was with uh, this celebrity. And we're, we're at the, at some store doing some shopping. David has off. No. All right. And, uh, she was talking to me and she goes, well, don't you ever worry about money? And I looked at her and I said, no, I don't ever worry about money. Even when I don't have money, I don't worry because if I do worry, then it's going to be a problem Then I, I'm going to need to worry because I don't have any money. I'm like, what if I, if I don't worry about it and I just put positive energy and vibes and everything's going to work out she was really like you you don't worry like she just couldn't believe I didn't worry like (laughs) I just I'm just I pulled out my phone right now because I just wrote this today that says don't get your wants and needs confused. When you love what you have, you have everything you need. I have everything I need. And that's what we talked about. And here I am. I'm not going to say who, but she was like, she, she should not, this girl does not need to worry about money at all. I mean, she has access to anything. And here I am. I'm like, 
<laughs> I don't like, know. It's just I don't know so crazy because you think it would be the other way around. Like, I don't know her, but it sounds like she needs access to everything. And what I mean by that is internally. Because you're saying she has access to everything. And it sounds like she's putting a lot of value on other stuff. But really, journey inward because you have everything you need in this within. Like you say, you can be have zero and be super proud, inspiring, and completely happy. And then you can have everything you in the whole world and be completely unhappy. That's my that's kind of like the point there. Yeah. Have you done a TED talk? No, but Dan Working on it? He's like, I sent your information. He's like, I don't understand why it's taking them so long to have not have you on there. Uh, bureaucracies. I don't know. I don't know. I have no idea how that works. I did leave a comment on, um, one of their official pages and it got like four point K likes and a million comments. They're Ah, like, all right, so it's inevitable. So I'm like, now that this has the number one comment and tons and thousands and thousands and thousands of likes, they've got to see it. Like, (laughs) yeah, it'll, it'll happen. It's going to happen when it, when it needs like the right time. Do you have any like, um, like personal mantras or inner dialogue that, that keeps getting repeated to yourself? I don't know about to myself. But for like my kids, because I have a lot of spine of beautiful kids and teenagers. Oh, they're still. And I, for them, I just kind of just tell them turtle speed is still a speed as long as you're consistently moving forward and helping others along the way. And they just love it. And it's true. It doesn't matter how fast you go. Mm-hmm. I sh- I'm like the epitome example of that. I've like outran nor- like runners because they've given up like mile 13 and I'm still going. I might not be going at this rate, you know, speed that they were going out, but I got the endurance part down. Yeah, that's the thing is like, I think we, <laughs> we, we tend to value like times or how fast somebody does something. And look, totally. instead of looking at what is that person overcoming and are they keep moving forward in the face of adversity? And are they helping people? Exactly. You know, you got, you're in any race in life, whether it be on the course or off the course, are you helping people around you? Are you cheering for people who are doing positive things just like you are? Or are you looking at it as a competition and that's all you're worrying about? And then, and I think we get so wrapped up in that you know, whether we look at social media or whether we, you know, run into so-and-so, the Joneses, or whether we, you know, I don't know who these Joneses are, but whatever. Uh, We start comparing ourselves and thinking that we should be, you know, here when we're really not there yet, and that's okay. Compassion, gratitude, and helping others have to be like some of the best antidepressant activities. Yeah, but doctors don't say that. Doctors... No, no doctor ever told me that. No doctor ever, 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 ever asked me, hey, how much exercise are you getting? Well, something wrong with that doctor. Oh, it was multiple. I think that's just in kind of in general. Yeah. Dang, doctors. Dang. Paul. <laughs> his, uh, his wife is an ER doctor, so I tease. Uh, uh-oh. <laughs> but she's one of the good ones. Okay. Yeah, yeah. She's like... It, it, if I were a doctor, I would do everything I could to never see that person in my office again. Yeah. 
but I don't know if that's a good business plan. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> like, like, I, I kind of sure. need you to come back in order for me to keep a job, but I don't want you to come back. <gasps> when somebody thinks of, of Missy <laughs> Diaz, what, what do you th- want them to remember you by? Mm, I've never been asked that question. I want them to remember me as strong and that she adapted. People always think, oh, wait, you know, even the simplest things in my life. Oh, wait, you probably can't do that, can you? I'm like, why? Well, um, (laughs) without them actually finishing the sentence. And I'm like, here, we'll just move this to the left and we'll just bring that here. And then there you go. It's like, why? That she adapted, that she was strong and that she persisted. Like, I didn't give up. There's always a way. We just have to put that energy, that positive energy. And we have to be creative. It's like a never give up attitude and an unconquerable soul. <laughs> Thank you. Mm-hmm. Do you still have doubts? Oh, yeah. I'm human. Mm. Most of it now is like job stuff. Not necessarily race racing or, you know, endurance running. It's mostly like, I don't know if I'm going to be able to give a speech how I want to give it instead of just enjoying the process, speaking from the heart. Because I tend to get so wrapped up and get like nervous instead of just stopping breathing and enjoying the moment well for one I don't really think there is such thing as a perfect speech no but you always have like that you know in this head you create this I'm gonna give the best speech and it's gonna be millions it's gonna just change the world I don't I don't know well I think about this with them this got brought up make it a presentation Mm-hmm. or speech and try and focus as if it's going to help one person. Yeah. You're not going to affect positively and benefit and change every single person's life in that room. But I guarantee you somebody there oh, yeah. is going to hear and feel you. That's really my only my doubt comes from. I just, I want to help others and I I want to I just want to do my best. Do you find yourself helping people that are having like a, an awkward situation with you? Like if they're looking at you funny or don't know how to greet you or don't understand. uh, I don't know. I guess uh, people have a weird um, reaction sometimes to whatever is different. So if someone's different, then they might not know how to react to it. 
So in a way, you might soothe them. And let me see if I can relate to this. Again, like, say, if I were to sit down right here, but I was in my uniform, you're already going to start feeling kind of different. And it's gonna, you're going to have a different feeling. And so you might treat me differently. But then I'm going to reach out and relax you. I'm going to say, hey, this is just a shirt. In fact, I just did this with a kid yesterday. My days are all mixed up. I think it was yesterday. <laughs> so there's a little girl. I was walking out of the restaurant. I just ate. I had a Brussels sprout salad with salmon. It was delicious. And I'm walking <laughs> out, and I'm all happy. And this little girl is sitting with her family. And as I walk by, the mom's like, it's okay. You can say hi. Mm. And so she was kind of scared. She was scared of police. She didn't know how to react to me. She looked at me differently. She stared at my stuff. She stared at my stuff on my belt. Yeah. She looked at my bat. She wasn't looking at me like a human. She was looking at yeah. things. So I guess what I'm saying is relate. Like um, People are going to look at you, look at your things. So what I ended up doing is I sat, I knelt down next to her. And I said, hey, want to see something really cool? Feel my badge. Mm. And so she started playing with it, feeling like feeling how heavy it was, and I was explaining the stuff on there. And then I was like, "You see this shirt?" I was like, "This is just a t-shirt, a button-up shirt." Mm. And I showed her, "I was like, see all these buttons? I'm gonna tell you guys a secret right now, especially on the on the podcast." <laughs> the the standard like patrol uniform, the, the button, it's a button-up short sleeve shirt that's tucked into pants with a belt on. Whoop de do. But if you this little flap is actually a zipper with fake buttons. And I showed, the kid, I showed the kid this. I'm like, hey, check this out. I move my radio and I unzip my shirt and showing her. And all of a sudden, like, I was with her and we were together and I soothed her. When initially she was having a bad reaction, or not a bad reaction, but it didn't know how to deal with everything. So that's what I mean. In a way, I find myself trying to soothe people that look at it because, of, because it's different. I probably get that on a daily while I hear... Okay, so I have different different situations happen because I'm all over the place. You know, I got things to do. <laughs> uh, I'll give you a couple incidences that have happened in the last year. I'll start with the positive one. <laughs> Grocery store. Okay, just doing your, you know, getting groceries. And kids will be like, mommy, mommy, look. Look at that little girl. And then, of course, you know, usually most of the time I'm, I'm, we're walking in the same direction or they're coming and I'm going and I'll be like, hi. And that's when I'll go into, do you see these crunches? They make me go fast, super fast. And the mom will be like, the most of the time the mom or the parents are like, I'm so sorry. I, I'm really sorry. And I'm like, no, it's okay. My name is Misty. And then there's the other times where you're in a hurry <laughs> yeah, and it has nothing to do with the child or nothing to do with even the teenager, the, you know, whatever. Sometimes adults are curious. It's just sometimes I just really want to get something done because I got an appointment or you're just in a hurry and you don't have, it's hard to fit that time in where you, you know, you bend down a little and you let them show you their crutches and, but then I get the bigger opportunities where, you know, if it's local, I get to volunteer my time and, you know, like I did a couple of weeks ago yep. and I get to hang out with 
kids and ask for a longer recess so they can see how I play and uh, how I do monkey bars. And, you know, if they have someone with a disability or if they ever meet, ask, can I please help you with your crutches instead of just grabbing them? Or uh, we did a relay race a couple of weeks ago where we raced. So I was in line with the kids. And they were just so fascinated that I was going to use my crutches and race from one side of the park to the other. I think they were more focused on me (laughs) running and I was the only one running. But it got them to see that just because she has crutches, she gets to, you know, she doesn't, it's not going to hold her back. And then, you know, we get incidences where adults, unfortunately, assume. Mm -hmm. And I'm driving, I drive a normal car. And they see me from the waist up parking in handicap. I like to think I'm somewhat kind of normal looking from, you know, I don't know. And uh, next thing you know, they're beating on my window on my passenger side, telling me I'm the world's worst person, cussing at me for parking in handicap. And I cannot get out of my car fast enough because I have to grab my crutches and I'm literally hanging out my Mazda with one crutch up in the air, yelling back because I'm in defense mode trying to like, because I'm so shaken up and livid that I'm being attacked. The handicap police out there. (laughs) And then they see me and they're like, they run into Wells Fargo and never, and I'm livid. I'm like on a whole nother level. First of all, why are you touching my car, banging on my window? Second of all, why are you cussing at me for parking in handicap? And out of all the people, I'll never forget this one man. He parked across behind me, and he was all tatted up. I mean, eyes, tat, I mean, just tatted mm-hmm. up. And he comes up to me, and I'm like, great. I can't handle this. What's he going to say now? That's just in my head. I'm thinking Mm -hmm. that. And he comes up to me and he goes, are you okay, sweetie? I'm so sorry that happened to you. And I'm like, wow. (laughs) You think it would have been the, I don't know. Like in my head, I'm just like, why? These were older people who were, I'm just like, what? Well, so look beyond and say the guy, the person, first of all, doing knocking and stuff like that, obviously. So that person is probably suffering themselves or having a hard day or, or they've been through some bad things or they have a family member that might be a uh, handicap and yeah. can't use spots. There's something going on with that Totally. Person. But in that moment when no, you're, I know. yeah, absolutely. It's hard when you're just trying to go to the bank to deposit money and yep. you're being attacked. I can't imagine the embarrassment though. Holy smokes. I was so embarrassed. No, no, I'm not talking about you. I'm talking about no, that. No, I was embarrassed though because people were just watching. Oh, yeah. See? No one was helping but that one man. Oh, no, this went on for several minutes. Very judgy. Yeah. Older couple. Yeah. <laughs> and by the way, you, do, you look like more than normal. Okay. <laughs> so it's not like... They're probably like, hey. <laughs> you know, you got the highlights I and the know, low right? lights going... Um, what does it mean in in, when you're doing these Spartan races like to be with a group of people doing those and I mean let me rephrase because maybe in the beginning it was just you but now when you're doing those races there's people with you whether they were physically with you or not do you feel that 
Oh, totally. So <laughs> can I just go back for a second? Yep. My first race. Can I tell you? I don't do. Did you see that? Have you seen a post mm. about my first race? I want to hear it. Oh, my God. <laughs> so here I am. My first race ever. Right. Seal Beach, California. I, I'm ready for this 5K. Okay. I'm wearing a white buttoned up collared shirt with a collar. I have my hair in pigtails. I have some god awful bright pink lipstick on. I have a purple tutu and a camelback filled with every snack <laughs> imaginable. Every protein bar, anything. I didn't know anything about. I just, I don't know, I was ready for a picnic. And I had water in the camelback and I didn't have a dime to my name. I was eating maybe like once a day. Like it was, yeah. And uh, I went to Payless, put some money together, went to Payless and bought some running shoes. I didn't know the difference. <laughs> and uh, I showed up to a race looking like that. And uh, I finished. I started when everybody started and I finished when everybody started. And I went home and ate everything I possibly could. I didn't touch any of those snacks on that camelback, by the way. Uh, but I did eat them in the car on the way back home. <laughs> and uh, I don't know why I planned for a picnic. I just, I didn't know. I did mm -hmm. not know. And forward to, you know, six years later, I'm in Canada. And, you know, usually before a big race, I'll kind of post on social media, on you know, one of, a couple of my channels. Hey, guys, I'm coming to Canada for the OCR World Championships. I'm looking to build a team you know, entries included, looking for two to three people. And I have met some of the most amazing people with the most incredible stories. Incredible. Like, I don't understand how these, these stories aren't being shared. Sometimes it's just privately between, you know, the person and I. Uh, sometimes uh, I'm, I'm, I'm running Lake Michigan. And find myself getting dropped off on a school bus about five in the morning and I'm with sharing a seat, getting ready for this race with a woman whose child has spina bifida and she is an avid follower and she trained for this race. What? She'd never run a race in her life. But she saw that I was coming and she wanted to do this no matter what it took. That woman is still running races now what there is like this there's something about the the human character that like shines through when given something difficult to achieve a struggle those races it's like a it's kind of like what i was talking earlier about the, the like the little microcosm of that ice bath in my yard. Yeah. It's a difficult thing. <laughs> you look at it, it's scary. Good. I want to be scared. I want to do something difficult because without it, I don't have that same self of the sense of accomplishment and self-respect. Does that make sense? Yeah. So now you are helping people almost be more human. I went to Japan last year never been to Japan in my life and um, I get there I post that I'm going to Japan 
hey guys, I, you know, I got the grant money for Spartan race, first ever Spartan race in Japan. No idea what I'm doing. I just know I'm going to show up and I'm going to race. This woman. Her name's Tomoka. She's like 20. She looks like she's like 15. Gorgeous girl. She goes, Misty, I live in Japan. I have spina bifida too. Can you please come stay with me? It would be an honor. I'm like, sure. Great. This is awesome. I get to her house. And uh, <laughs> it was the greatest experience of my life. I get there and I can't even fit my second suitcase into her apartment. And I'm sleeping on the floor. I got some great sleep that night. It was like one of those roll-out mats. Mm -hmm. And I go to her bathroom. I can't close the door because I'm, I'm actually too big for her bathroom. I can't physically turn. It's so tiny. And I grab the toilet paper and it's hot pink. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, Tomoka, you got hot pink toilet paper? <laughs> what in the world? She's like, She's like, yeah, do you need some more? I'm like, no. I'm like, I've never seen this in my life. <laughs> Everything was pink. Long story short, she comes with me to the race. She gets VIP treatment. She's just having a ball on this golf cart with the race director. And she was just like, her gratitude just ricocheted off of her smile. And I mean, I literally get off the plane and I just meet her. And it was like nothing. I don't even know who I'm looking for. I'm going based off a Facebook picture. And I'm, she's taking me into her home. Her oven was the size of like an easy bake oven from the 90s. And she made me this little cake. I don't know how she did it. But it was one of the best cute little cakes I'd ever eaten. She's like, here, I made this for you. Thank you for coming. I'm like, thank you. She's like, it was just the most amazing one. It's just, there's a million experiences I could give you. That is, but do you, do you realize the reach and power that is? Have you ever thought about that? Have you ever sat back and just think of like how many little boys, little girls in the entire world that you've affected? I don't know. I, I really want you to think about that because that it's, is like a, is, <clears throat> and I can tell you this. There's a whole lot more that you don't know about. I know. My intention in the beginning was just to feel better. I just wanted to be able to not beat myself up. To like, I always put myself down when I was younger. And now that I get to, now that I'm on the other side where I see kids putting themselves down for having disability, whatever disability, whatever adaption. And then I'm able to be like, hey, wait a minute. I was your age. This is what I did. Or this is what helped me. That to the extent, yes. I have one, one, one girl in Seattle who's spina beautiful. And uh, we met on social media and I, I talked to her parents. Her parents took me in. Her parents and I, I end up becoming better friends with the parents sometimes. I just came back from Kansas a couple, not even a week ago, and a little, the little boy, his name is Grant, and we met at a Spartan race, and uh, his dad was running it, and uh, his mom and I are just like, just like this, because she sees that I'm like traveling, she sees that I'm just doing everything normal, and she's just like, 
hey, can I get your advice? What should I do? This is our situation with Grant. What would you do? And then you're asking advice. Like, what? That's crazy to me. I really, really hope at some point in time you're sitting there by yourself and you realize that you are rich, you are beautiful, and you are powerful. Way more than you even know. And you're affecting those that are not only spine of beautiful, you're affecting guys like me. <laughs> I just really want you to know that. Thank you. So. I'm excited for what's ahead because I'm like, man, if I just want to do more. Make me want to do more. I want to if you need a teammate, I'm in. I can this. bench press. <laughs> I can I can run. Um, maybe one of these days, do one of those events. We should do a CrossFit event. There's one in September in Long Beach. No way. I want to get out in some woods and get dirty. Oh, okay. I haven't done that. Uh, there is a race. Well, no, I take that back. I mean, I've been in the woods. But I'm saying like... <laughs> what do you do? I haven't, I, haven't done, I haven't done any of these races. There's uh, two in October... And there's two in December that I'll be at here locally. You know what? Maybe we can, um, I don't know. Maybe we can put together a little, a little Sisu Way team. I don't know. Figure it out. You guys tell me twice. I'm so down. Speaking of being down, we're going to see about that in a minute here. <laughs> so I might have an appointment. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, I want to be able to forward our listeners and, and make sure they're able to follow you. So how do they do that? Um, everything is at Little Misty Diaz, L-I-L-M-I-S-T-Y. I, I believe that's Lil. L-I-L. Lil Misty Diaz. Yeah. People call me Little Misty. My website. It? Though she may be small, she is fierce. I think, that's a, I think that's a quote somewhere, right? Um, at Little Misty Diaz. Uh, you're most active on Instagram. By the way, uh, um, I meant to mention this earlier. On Instagram, pictures are one thing, at least the way I, I the way I do it. My Instagram is more of a blog than it is a photo sharing type of thing because I I really am thoughtful with the words I I put on there. But I spend a lot of time reading what you were writing, <laughs> and I really enjoy the vulnerability you have, and the connection that you've probably grown into with yourself, and the and some self love, and it's coming through in gratitude. It's taken me a really long time to get here. And I just want those who follow me or who have met me to be like, if she can do it, I can do it. It doesn't have to be a race. It doesn't have to be, you know, 14 miler. It has to be with acceptance and finding gratitude in some of the most horrific situations. But knowing that, it's going to get better. Those races are metaphors. Yeah, totally. But I just met you today, but I think <laughs> I've known you for a while. I know. I'm like, hey. And, and so <laughs> it, it's, this is a lot deeper than just like a, a today thing. But so, I have some experience with depression, with suicide, with struggles, um, personally and professionally. And so 
this is coming from a deeply rooted perspective. And that is that I am super proud of you. All right. I'm really proud of you. I'm, pr I'm proud to be part of your light. Thank you. Uh, and with that, I think we're going to start wrapping this up. Um, I want to thank you also for this really cool <laughs> never give up patch that you gave me. Isn't that cute? It's like a little smiling emoji with uh, pigtails mm. and pink crutches. <laughs> I had pigtails in my first race ever. I cannot believe no, that. Awesome. <laughs> thank you for this. Uh, also for the listeners, um, I didn't talk about this last time, but I, I'm supposed to on podcasts ask for reviews on iTunes. Um, I'm not going to ask you to give me five stars and leave a positive review. You do what you feel is appropriate. Just if you do something on there, uh, it's appreciated. I do pay attention. I read those. Uh, and sometimes we'll share them on, on the, the Sisu Way social media. Uh, social media, at the Sisu Way. And I'm at one Scott McGee. That's like the number one. Because I'm, I'm just one. <laughs> There's several <laughs> other, but I'm just one of them. Uh, also, check out the, the website thecsuway.com um, you also have a website I little do. missy diaz so also if you guys are out there and you want to sponsor or send her stuff yeah. get a theragun get all kinds no of stuff um, probably the best way to do it is go to little missy diaz there's contact info and all, all yeah there's contact info previous podcast um, news articles um, photos all kinds of fun things to click on yeah Click away. Click, click, click. Also, I, I really want to thank the listeners. Um, I, I'm, I'm very aware that there's a ton of podcasts out there. There's a lot of places that compete for your attention. Uh, and so if you've listened to this podcast, I, I really want to thank you for the time that you've spent listening. Um, I really appreciate it. And if you like it, um, please tell a friend. And if you want to communicate with me, you can do that. Shoot me a message at one Scott McGee on Instagram. It's probably the quickest way I can respond. Missy, thank you again. Thank you. Uh, uh, last thing I'll leave people with is, that, is, is a reminder to be deeply rooted in gratitude. And if you're deeply rooted in gratitude, your day will just might be a little bit better. Go forth and glow. And remember that health is wealth, vulnerability is strength, and strength is a choice. So get up strong and be unconquerable. Thank you.